All right, so we're going to continue our uh, and finish up today our, our uh, discussion on self-control. And then uh, we have habits and then as practical topics, we're going to be covering two topics. One is going to be worry and the other one is going to be depression. So there'll be six classes, three of each on each of those topics. Those, when you guys put in the surveys uh, early on, that those were the predominant topics. Third is pride. We're going to talk about that today, um, just as part of self-control. <coughs> All right. So um, we're looking at harmful attitudes. We did look at the helpful attitudes, self-sacrifice, self-denial, self-discipline, reformation, and self-examination. Those are all tools that we use and attitudes that we have that help us with our self-control. Arms for self-control are things like selfishness, mission, arrogance, which we talked about last week. And then today we're going to talk about pride and self-righteousness. Those are things that harm or take away from us. Take away from us being uh, having good self-control and be able to control ourselves. Um, so we'll get right into it. So, what is pride? Thank you. Thank you. Thinking more highly of ourselves than we should. Okay. Is pride always bad? No. 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 It's not. We can be proud of our children. We can be proud of many things. Our country. Uh, pride of being proud of being a Christian, proud of God. Um, so it's not always bad. Uh, when we get self-righteousness, is that always good or, or is that always bad or sometimes good, sometimes bad? Uh, always bad. So last time we had kind of the same arrangement where one was uh, could be good and one is always bad. All right. Um, we're going to kind of look today at a, a high level. A lot of people are getting pretty deep into, into scriptures. This lesson I decided to keep a little bit higher level because there are so mu there's so much information. I wanted to not uh, take the information down to a smaller level. I wanted to give it all to you and we'll just cover it at a high level and then you'll have that for your reference and you can study that more on your own. So, uh, definition of uh, pride. Undue confidence in and attention to one's own skills, our accomplishments, our state, our possessions, or our positions. Um, pride is easier to recognize many times than it is to define, and it's always easier to recognize in others rather than ourselves. Um, other words that we use for pride, arrogance, which we talked about, presumption, conceit, self-satisfaction, boasting, high-mindedness, um, and we'll see a couple other words in, in our discussions today. Pride is the opposite of humility, and pride is basically rebellion against God. Why is it rebellion against God? Self-focused, usually. It's a, it's about us, and in a sense, we're putting ourselves on the throne. Yeah. And that's where God belongs, and we need to keep God on the throne and to keep ourselves off the throne. Being a Herod. Yeah, we need to understand what our position is with God. All right, so we're going to look at what the Bible says about pride. Pride in itself hinders self-control. And it hinders self-control because it changes how we view things. It changes who's most important to you. It changes what your standard is. So we talked early on about the conscience and training your conscience. Well, when pride is involved, your conscience gets trained incorrectly. And you start seeing things that you want as being more important. Now, we talked last time about self-control 
and the things we want. If, if all we ever did in our life was do everything we ever wanted to do, do we need self-control? If it was just the things we want to do, we don't really control ourselves, right? We just do whatever we want to do. If it comes up, we do it. And there's really not much control in that. So it's actually an easier standard to meet. And so pride tends to make it easier, which unfortunately means we don't work as hard at it. And uh, living the right life takes work. And I think in God's wisdom, he could have made it so that our natural tendency is to do exactly what he wants, and we would actually have to work at being bad. It's actually just the opposite, isn't it? What comes natural is not what he wants us to do. And so it takes work to do things his way. So if we're going to be committed to God, it takes a commitment, and we have to show that. All right, so let's look at the sinfulness of pride. First of all, pride is evil. In the sense we're going to talk about it, we're really not going to talk about pride in the positive sense. We'll talk about it strictly in the negative sense. It's condemned as evil. Uh, so let's look at a few scriptures. Proverbs has a lot to say about it. And so with each of these sections, what I've done is given you just a few verses, and then I put a listing of a whole bunch of additional verses that you can look at. And there's a lot of information there, a lot of examples, a lot of uh, teaching on, on each of these topics. So Proverbs 21, verse 4, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked is sin. So the lamp of the wicked, that's what you use to see by, right? So a, a haughty eyes and a proud heart is what a person who is proud uses to see things. It's your, it's your frame of reference. It's how you view things. So um, the lamp of the wicked is sin. <clears throat> Mark 7, 22 through 23. Deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things, all these evil things, proceed from within and defile the man. So pride is something that comes from within. Usually, unless someone is just naturally building you up, pride always comes from within. We're always uh, responsible for building ourselves up. Uh, 1 John 2.16, uh, we've learned about the three types of sin, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. So it's one of the three, and I think if you really looked at the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, those really tie into pride too, because they're things that we want, and um, pride can get in the way of those as well. So let's look at, uh, under sinfulness of pride, let's look at uh, the characteristics of of uh, pride. It's really uh, Satan and the Antichrist are characterized as having pride. And we see that in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. So he's building himself up so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as God. And that's really what pride is, is putting ourselves on the throne ahead of God. That word exalts himself that shows you how high you, you're, someone yes. is putting themselves in that kind of scenario. Yeah, and when, a lot of times when we think about pride, we're not really thinking about how we're putting ourselves above others, but that's exactly what it is. Uh, many times we will, if we're not good enough to, to be above <coughs> others, generally what we do is put others down so that we're above them. So we don't necessarily always try to be better, we just try to push other people down so that we look better. Uh, warning is against pride. So the scriptures has a ton to say about pride and warnings about it. 
So Proverbs is very much uh, involved in that. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, that's pride. <clears throat> Lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. So it's on the list of six things that God hates is for you to be overly proud. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And that just tells us what a real state is. We, we don't have much hope. And again, there's a lot of additional verses there to look at. So, there are some uh, other things about pride. Um, proud talk. Really, that comes down to how we conduct ourselves. Um, in Matthew 23, 12, who, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. So, if we conduct ourselves in a certain way to exalt ourselves, then we will end up truly being humble. And whoever humbles himself, we let God exalt us. Now, which kind of exalting is more effective? Us doing it or God doing it? God, God exalting us is far more effective and it will put us far higher than what we could do in and of ourselves. Romans 12, 16, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. And that's the, the clue there is in your own estimation. So this is how we conduct ourselves, being of the same mind towards one another. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, less, <clears throat> take heed that he does not fall. And so a person who's proud thinks he stands. He doesn't really understand that he has fallen instead. Um, and so pride is a formula for falling. And again, many other uh, verses there. God opposes the proud. So if we think that having pride is going to endear us to God, it's not. It's going to do just the opposite. He's going to oppose us. It really and doesn't endear us to anybody. It really doesn't. Only to ourselves. Uh, right. we, we, we get to like ourselves pretty well. So in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says that God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. So what characteristic of people does God really like? A humble person. Why is that? Until you're humble, what are you unwilling to do? Submit yourself. Submit. Yeah, and submission is the key for us. And we've talked about that in terms of self-control, where submission um, to His will is is so key because if we don't commit ourselves to that, we won't make ourselves do the things that God wants us to do. We will instead just do the things we want to do. So self-control and... Uh, and having humility are go hand in hand. So the New Testament speaks uh, against pride very uh, quite a bit, and the Bible actually rejects it. So in Luke 18, this is the, the uh, passage about the two men that prayed in the temple, the Pharisee and the tax collector. What's the Pharisee think about himself? A lie. And what does the uh, tax collector think about himself? Nothing. He feels like he's not even uh, he's not even at a level where he can ask God for anything or even look to heaven to heavens, and um, so God rejected which one, the proud, the Pharisee. When we read about this passage, do we like the Pharisee? No, we don't like people like that. I don't, and and that's why when the definition said it's easier to see pride in others. We see that in others. We don't like them, but we don't see it in us and realize that people don't like us either when we're like that. 
So if we exalt ourselves, we will be humbled. Um, Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Hate pride, hate arrogance, and the evil way, and the perverted mouth I hate. So God hates pride. In Romans 12, 3, uh, we're told there not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. That's pride. But to think as to one having sound judgment. So the corollary there is if we do think too much of ourselves, then we don't have sound judgment. So that makes us a fool, according to the Proverbs. Um, so, and, and we do that, have that sound judgment as God allotted to us a measure of faith. So even having pride says we don't have much faith. And so it's, it works against us in every way that we look at it. And we're supposed to show sound judgment if we're going to make good decisions and have the control of our life that we need to. Galatians 6, um, May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So there is a boasting, a form of boasting that is okay, but it's not in ourselves. It's boasting in Christ or boasting in God, boasting in the things that he has done for us. And again, many, many more things uh, there about pride. So there are many, many examples of pride in the, in the Bible, and, and I've listed them so the ones that we had pulled together um, and just gave you the scripture and just a little blurb about them. You can see the majority of these are just from the Old Testament. But these are pride in status. So this is showing that people have pride in how they stand or, or what their status is in this life. And we really have no status. We've been talking about the scripture that you like a lot, which is... Um, what makes you think that you've done anything special? Everything you have came from God, so what makes you think you should take credit for all of that? And so, pride in status is, is, uh, is really a poor um, attitude. And, uh, but we can have pride in our status of life. When we look at the status of God, where do we rank there? We're not even close. So, you know, when we start looking at, at it from that perspective, uh, it's, we're not even in the right ballpark. And all of those except Naaman came to a bad end. Yeah. yeah none because of their pride. Yeah, so when we look at Pharaoh, he says, who is God? Naaman was furious because he wasn't being treated mm -hmm. well enough. Hezekiah was bragging about all the treasure that he had. <clears throat> Naaman, Haman told his family about how important he was to king and queen, not knowing that they were just about ready to kill him anyway. Um, Moab had uh, been told of, of their pride. Babylon bragged of their strength. Sodom spoke of the pride in themselves. The king of Tyre thought he was a god. Assyria, um, their heart was haughty in their loftiness. Belshazzar exalted himself against God. Edom, they thought they could, nobody could defeat them. Nineveh, they were laid waste due to their pride. Teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they loved to be honored. And then Simon the sorcerer claimed to be someone great. And, and uh, so none of these were good examples. They're all examples of uh, how poorly uh, people are when they uh, take pride in their status. We can also take pride in our strengths. So Goliath was a strong man. David was a pretty small, wimpy guy. He wasn't a threat. And so Goliath looked down on David, and that became his end. Amaziah was so proud over his victories that he was going to challenge and fight against his own brothers. Uh, the king of Assyria thought he was greater than the gods. Israel overestimated their strength. Where was the strength of Israel? 
Only in God. When they when they left God, they found they had no strength, and that even the smallest of nations could overtake them. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, claimed that he had built Babylon by his own power. What do we know about Babylon? Babylon was raised to power for what purpose? To collapse. To punish Israel and then collapse. And so they were not special. They were just they were a tool of God. Nebuchadnezzar was made to eat grass because of his, yes. his arrogance. And and that's uh, if we saw a few more examples of that, we probably would would probably behave a little bit differently sometimes. Uh, Peter overestimated his spiritual strength. He said he would never forsake God, never give up on Jesus, but he did. We can be proud in our wisdom. Maybe this is a bigger problem for many of us today, having pride in our wisdom. Uh, so the king of Syria, he, uh, he thought he had understanding. He thought he was a mighty man. The Athenians, these were all the philosophers of the day. They were always wanting to hear something new. They were always out there looking for uh, to bring uh, people to them, to bring uh, students to them. They were wise, worldly people. They professed they were wise in Romans 1.22, and that's when homosexuality and all those things began uh, to be seen. And so they just thought they were wise. The Corinthians thought they were wise. <clears throat> and so these things, when we have too much pride in our wisdom, um, many times it shows we're not wise at all. We're just fools. We can be proud and have we can have a proud ambition. That's kind of a, a twist on this a little bit. Ambition is not bad, but when your ambition is to create pride, that's a bad thing. So we're putting a bad attribute together with something that motivates us heavily. And uh, so, like the king of Babylon, he was planning to make himself like God. He had a he had an ambition to be just like God. The Antichrist was going to display himself as God, so there was an ambition there to, to exalt themselves. Hadn't done it quite yet, but they were working on it. So that kind of ambition uh, is not good either. So um, we can be, like in our strength, we can be so proud of our strength that, that um, we think we're undefeatable, but when we look at God's strength, we're not even in the right ballpark. <clears throat> so... Um, when we look at spiritual pride, this is another one uh, probably affects us with our denominations. Um, many times we get accused of thinking we're the only ones going to heaven. What does that sound like? It sounds like we're a little maybe exalted above everybody. It's not like that's the way we purport or we portray ourselves, but that's the way some people will see us. And we have to be careful we don't actually become like that. So we can be too proud of our spiritual condition. We can be too proud of our spiritual abilities. And so, uh, like Jehu, he showed off his zeal for God. Job was convinced of his righteousness and said it over and over until God finally came out of the whirlwind and kind of blew him away. And he said, you're not even on the same level. <clears throat> Israel thought they were more righteous than God many times. Um, people who sacrifice things for God, I gave up this for you, I gave up that for you. Uh, and many times they'll tell everyone about that. And they, they just do it. They do it for show. They shouldn't be doing it for show. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees, the Pharisees always held themselves above the common person. In fact, they wouldn't teach the common person the law. They kept it to themselves, which probably comes is why the church and the laity kind of arrangement came about. But they wanted to have that for themselves to make everyone think uh, highly about them. 
the experts in the law, they wanted to justify themselves. The Jews were descendants of Abraham, they claimed that, and that they were privileged, and that because of that they had a special position with God, and they did. The Jews in general had a special place with God, but it was for a purpose. And once Christ came, that purpose was gone. And so they, at that point, felt like they were being abandoned, but they just had a bad opinion of what that was about. So they were, they thought they were um, high up on the list. False teachers, they always felt like they had more knowledge than even Paul. Um, and that they would teach others that Paul was wrong. Even the Laodicean church felt like they didn't need anything because they were doing uh, everything that they needed to be doing. That's the place we really get in trouble when we think we've arrived. We think we've gotten to the place we need to be. What do we, we've talked about this back when we were talking about teaching. What's true about learning uh, the Bible? When are, when are we done? Never. We'll never be done. And so when we feel like we've arrived, that's a bad situation because that says we think we've We've uh, learned everything we need to. Well, let's look at what pride results in. What, what are the outcomes of pride? Um, the real problem here with pride is that it leads to many other evils. And so, um, and many times it ends in destruction. We've seen many examples already where the, the outcome of all those people were, uh, just, they were destroyed. So, self-deception. Uh, we talked about that, I think Dave talked about that. Self-deception is very bad because it makes us think we're doing something we're not. And so when it comes to self-control, we're not able to uh, make good decisions and do the right thing. And many times we will think, because we're deceiving ourselves, uh, we think we're doing what we're supposed to when we're really not. So in Galatians 6.3, if anyone thinks he, uh, he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So we're, we've got to be very honest about ourselves if we're going to make the right improvements. Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18. Otherwise you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand has made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to his father, says, as it is this day. So when we play that game of thinking that it's us that's doing it, what's probably going to happen next. Whatever you've amassed in terms of wealth, you can take it away just like he gave it to you. And so, um, now if that doesn't happen, does that mean you were okay? No. No, but, but just be careful because that's the way uh, things can work for you. So we're looking at other forms of evil, This in this case self-deception. Um, in 1 Timothy 6, verses 3-4, through 4, it says uh, in verse 4 that a person is conceited and they don't understand anything. Um, they have a morbid interest in controversial questions, disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, and evil suspicion. So, pride is shown in what we think about ourselves. And uh, many times we know, know too much and, and we think we know too much and we cause all sorts of arguments because we argue with truth. And when we get in that position, uh, we're in trouble. So spiritual blindness, that's the idea that we're not able to see spiritual truths. Um, we're not able to recognize when things are true. In Nehemiah 9.16, but they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They became stubborn and they wouldn't listen. So they knew truth, they just wouldn't listen to it. They were hardened in their hearts. Um, 
what a wicked man boasts of his evil, evil desire, uh, a hard heart. Um, so having pride will cause us to have a hard heart. We see that in Psalms 10, verse 3, for the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. So he's so proud of himself that he's able, that he's willing to brag about what he wants, about his own heart's desire. We should be bragging about what God wants us to do, not bragging about what we want to do, be, and be so calloused about it that we would, that we would um, just outwardly tell everyone and then um, curse and spurn the Lord because of what He wants us to do versus what we're actually doing. We can also develop a malicious spirit where we don't care about others. We don't care what happens to them. We don't care uh, anything about their souls. So the proud of have hidden a trap for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set snares for me. That shows what our prideful attitude really does, is it tries to trap people. We're, we're creating harm to others, and we don't even care. And that's, that's not a good place to be. We can have contempt for others where we put others down. In Psalms 119.51, we see the, the righteous man here arrogant utterly deride me yet i do not turn aside from your law so we if if we're a prideful person we can wear people down we can cause them to stumble we can cause them to leave god um, if we're around a proudful a prideful person we need to make sure that we that we stay focused on god because they can take us uh, off to somewhere we don't want to go quarreling we can start fights with others if if we're um overly proud of ourselves. Uh, in Proverbs 13.10 says, Through insolence comes nothing but strife, but wisdom is, is with those who receive counsel. Violence is an outcome of pride. Um, in many cases that's actually their nature and it's their lifestyle. It says in Psalms 73 verse 6, Therefore pride is their necklace. They wear it around their, their neck like something to be proud of and to be bragging about. The garment of violence covers them. It's who they are. Uh, injustice. They try to stop others by any means possible. Psalms 119, verse 78. May the arrogant be ashamed, for they subvert me with a lie. But I meditate on your precepts. They're trying to trick you. They're trying to subvert you. They're trying to take you off course with lies. And so we have to be aware when we're around people like that. We also have to be aware that we're not like that. Um, let's see. <clears throat> All right. So we are um, now looking at oppression. So there, oppression is another form of evil. Um, with that, we put others beneath ourselves. Um, when we're too proud, we exalt ourselves. And Habakkuk 2 says, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. But the righteous will live by his faith. Uh, and then if we drop down to the, the last part of that verse, he also gathers to himself all nations and collects to himself all peoples. So his lot in life or his goal in life is to go collect. And really what he's doing is he's collecting them beneath him. And so he's putting himself above all these people. So uh, he's trying to oppress people instead of being that much better, he's just trying to oppress people to make himself look important. And finally, we can have contempt for God, uh, in, even to the degree that we'll challenge God. Uh, 2 Kings 19.22 it 
It says, whom, you have reproached and, whom have you reproached and blasphemed? And against whom have you raised your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes? Well, it was against the God of Israel, the Holy One of Israel. All right, so let's look at some results of pride. Um, sometimes pride will produce a temporary prosperity where it makes us feel like everything's okay. And that's, uh, that's a bad situation because sometimes when things get bad for us, we'll stop and look at what's going on. When things are good, many times we don't. So, so yes? Uh, um, just a comment, I think, <clears throat> on the um, contempt for God, and I think it goes right along with this one we're talking about with the prosperity, is that um, another thing I think that comes from pride is the um, concept of like self-reliance. It may yes. not be outright contempt for God, but it's kind of like, well... You know, I, I'm. You know, I, I I can take care of everything myself. Yeah. You know, I, I'm in control of everything. Um, and I, I think the root of that can be just a lack of um, gratitude. And a lot of this comes down to if you have a lack of gratitude, then all these things yeah come about because you, you're not acknowledging where everything comes from. Yeah, and in fact, with pride, you're kind of taking those things to yourself, right? You're thinking that. The person you really need to be grateful to is yourself, because yeah. because you're pretty much handling all of this and you're taking care of all of it, where you're really not. Um, God is the one providing all of our prosperity and all of our all the good things, and and we're just recipients of that. And so that's that's where we need to have the right attitude if we're going to be able to control how our life goes. Um, in Psalms 10 and verse 5. His ways prosper at all times. This is the proud person. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for his adversaries, he snorts at them. So he can't see God's judgment. He challenges others. He, God is working behind the scenes, but the proud person can't see that. He thinks it's all the things he's doing. Pride ends in disaster. Lots of examples of how, how disaster will come. We just kind of scan down through these verses and pick out some key words, we see abomination, we see uh, where the next one, him I will destroy, and the, uh, the arrogant heart, God says he won't endure that uh, from anyone, uh, the Lord will tear down his house, uh, there's more hope for him uh, than a fool, we see um, that God says in Isaiah 13.11 that he will put an end to the arrogance of the proud, and he'll abase the haughtiness of the ruthless, Malachi 4.1, uh, the arrogant and every evil evildoer will be chaff. There will be nothing left. There will be neither root nor branch. In Luke 1, 51, it says that he scattered those who were proud and exalted those who were humble. And so the outcome of being proud is disaster. And it's, it's not uh, going to achieve what the proud person is trying to achieve, which is to exalt themselves. And what will end up happening is they'll lose everything over it. So another long list of uh, results of pride is the proud will not only be uh, come to a disastrous end, but they'll also be humbled. And uh, here's just a whole list of, of uh, examples in the in the Bible of uh, God humbling people. And so I mean it's just pervasive throughout the Bible. This idea of pride it's everywhere, and uh, God is continuously fighting against it. Um, in all, all parts of the Bible. And you could say that um, Israel is kind of a case study for us of how not to be uh, in that way. 
Okay, so that's pride. I know that's a quick overview of it, but there's a lot of additional scriptures in your handouts there that you can go look at and uh, dig into. Self-righteousness. Why is that a problem for self-control? It's almost it's like the, the opposite definition, opposite. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, self-righteous. So, what are we supposed to be? Righteous. What does it mean to be self-righteous then? You never see your faults. You never never see anything we ever do wrong. Right. Especially and, even when it's God's word comes into play. You don't see yourself as opposed to God's word. I mean, it's just And sometimes we can even think we're following God's word, saying we're self-righteous. But many times we actually change the definition of what righteousness means. And we create our own definition and that way we can conform. If we create our own definition, it's a lot easier for us to, to be uh, righteous. And it means that we don't have to exercise quite so much self-control because we just do whatever we think is right. And so um, the real issue of righteousness is really comes in, in the definition or the meaning of it. And in Job 9 and 1 Samuel 6, we see how can a man be right before God? What's the answer to that? He can't. We have nothing we can do. Uh, Samuel says, who is able to stand before the Lord? And to whom shall he go up from us? In other words, who's God going to go ask for counsel from? Among us. Well, he's not. And so the answer is, if we're going to achieve righteousness, it's not going to come from self. It's not going to come from man. It's going to come from God. So true righteousness is not the result of human effort or perfect law-keeping, which tells us it's not coming from self. Self-righteousness is not an accurate way to view this. The Bible tells us if the Jews had been able to keep the law perfectly, there would have been no point in, in Christ. Coming. Yes, and, and, and we'll see scriptures even in the New Testament that tell us that all have mm -hmm. sinned and fallen short. Well, Just we're not going to make it. If, if the idea is we're going to make it on our own, we're not going to make it because mm -hmm. it's not possible. Um, so as we look at, there we go, Romans 3.20, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That's what we gain. When we, when we look at God's standard, what we realize is we're woefully inadequate. We can't meet up to the standard. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. We've got to try very, very hard. But, but in and of ourselves, we need some help. And the help that we need is God's mercy. And so in Ephesians 2, verses 8, we see, for by, the, by grace you've been saved. That's saved through faith, and that's not of yourself. It's not self-righteousness. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of things that we can do, and that way we can't be overly proud of that. We can't be boasting about that, um, because we can't get there on our own. So in Titus 3, verse 5, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. So righteousness... Self-righteousness is not what's going to commend us to God. The grace of God is what's going to get us there. And so we need Him to get there, and self-righteousness just removes us from Him, and uh, it's completely counterproductive. This is probably the biggest thing I see as uh, self-righteousness self as a contradiction in terms. <coughs> it, it doesn't make any sense. It's an oxymoron. It's not in us to be self-sufficient or self-righteous. 
Ecclesiastes 7.20 says there's not a righteous man on earth. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous. 3.23, all have, Romans 3.23, all have sinned. So it's not in ourselves. We're not going to make it on our own. There's nothing we can do. Um, but God does provide what we need. So what we need to do is humble ourselves before Him and not think that we're going to make it on our own. And God will call people um, out when they pretend that they're self-righteous. Uh, Jeremiah 17 and verse 5, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, and makes his flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That's where you'll be. Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, where did they think their righteousness ranked? The scribes and the Pharisees? Pretty high, didn't they? We've got to exceed that. Which really means we're not going to go after their standard. We're going to, we're actually going to go the opposite direction, which is to humble ourselves before God. They, they were very careful to tithe yes. everything to keep the law they thought to the letter. But it wasn't enough. And you could, you could very clearly see that is self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. They were trying to lay it all out and yeah. check the boxes God as they went. To do that so That's what is what is true righteousness then? Well, true righteousness comes from God. Psalms uh, 98.2, the Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. Uh, Jeremiah 9.23 and 24, the Lord says, Let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. So here's a whole lot of boasting going on. Let not a rich man boast of his riches. Stop boasting about everything. Stop looking at yourself. But let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Boast about that. But I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things. That's how we, um, that's where our, our pride should be, is in God. And stop trying to do it on our own. Romans 1.17 For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as, it's written, as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. So God's word is where we find the, the um, righteousness of God, and that's where we go. Um, to become more righteous. Uh, righteousness is grounded in Christ and in God. Uh, but by doing, by doing, uh, but by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness, which is again from God, and sanctification from God and redemption from God. Jesus is God's representative in all of this. And then Second Corinthians five twenty one, uh, He. He made him who knew no sin to be ours, to be sent on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, if we want to achieve righteousness of God, we do it through Christ. It comes about by faith and by His Word. Um, Galatians 5 and verse 5: For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. That's what we're we're working for, working towards. Uh, Romans 1: We already looked at the righteous will live by faith. It's received in humility. So what is humility again? It's the opposite of pride. So we're going to receive the righteousness of God with humility. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, these were the Corinthians who were puffed up. For who regards you as superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast? As if you had not received it. The reality is, is nobody else sees you as superior. Only you. And so you think you're, who regards you as superior? Well, the answer is nobody, just you. 
and uh, you don't have anything to boast about. And you we're a very small package. <laughs> yeah, and you, you didn't do anything to create this. And Philippians 3, verses 7 through 9, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, and that's humility again, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own, so I'm not going to achieve it by self-righteousness, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. And really that just solidifies the whole concept of the, the class, which has been if we're going to be the kind of people we want to be in the end, to have faith and to, to gain uh, heaven, we're going to have to, to implement all these things in our lives so that we will become uh, the righteousness that God wants us to be by doing it His way. And so there's a lot there uh, about uh, pride and a lot about righteousness and self-righteousness. So we talked about this a minute ago, but I just wanted to reiterate God's way is not our natural pathway in life. It's not the way we're programmed. It's not the way we generally look at things. We're generally very self-indulged. We're very self-focused. Um, like we said earlier, we come out of the come out of the womb crying and beg and demanding our rights, and we, it takes conscious effort to stop that. Some people and never stop. Some people never stop. Yes, and so. That's, that's the path we would go on, given no other instruction. We would probably all simply look out for our own self and care nothing about anybody else. But if you really think about that kind of a lifestyle versus the lifestyle that many of you have lived, it's not, it's not even a, um, a lifestyle that we can feel good about. Uh, the lifestyle of service is a lifestyle that we can feel good about. And it's the lifestyle that will put us on course with what God wants us to do. So, doing things our own way takes very little self-control. Doing things God way, God's way is where we need self-control and why we need self-control. And that's why we need to put self-control into our life so that we can achieve what God wants us to do. So, that finishes up our topic of self-control. We're going to look at habits and addictions. And then we're going to look at worry and depression. Okay, thank you.